You're listening to Asking for a Friend with therapist Stephen Ng. It's a conversation about human sexuality and how to approach it with intelligence, understanding, and compassion. Hi, this is Stephen Ng, and I'm with my friend Jackie. We're sitting around talking, as usual, about sex and everything related to sexuality. Hi, Jackie. Hi, how are you? I'm well. You know, last time we were together, we were talking about millennials and the cultural influences on millennials and holy matrimony and all that. I didn't feel like we got to the end of that conversation. We did not. There's so much to unpack with this. Oh, well, so what else was there on your mind to talk about? So one of the main things um, in the articles I read, they call this a new monogamy. In the old days, they called it because millennials need to relabel everything. Um, It used to be called friends with benefits. (laughs) And so I wanted to explore that idea for a while because I'm sure we both know people where their friends with benefits um, relationships have gone horribly, horribly wrong. Yeah, well, of the thousands of men I've worked with over the years, the young ones will describe having uh, a number of uh, women. They usually are often referred to at least as um, uh, homegirl. Homegirl will uh, come over anytime one of them wants to have sex. If they're available, they have sex, but there's zero commitment, zero relationship outside of that. They're just sort of there and available. And and they like each other and everything, but it's there's no, there's no real connection beyond that. So why would that be a bad thing? I mean, we all have sexual needs, and if we don't want to jump into a relationship, it seems like having someone that you can trust who you have a good sexual connection with. Well, you know, I would actually prefer that over my clients who assume that because they did have sex that they are in a committed relationship because that's, in my experience, just as common, if not more common where really needy people have sex with someone else, maybe because they've repressed themselves from having sex with others, they've been holding back on having sex because of their beliefs about sexuality and and intercourse and all that. And sometimes those beliefs are religious, but I've met plenty of people who have no specific religion at all in their lives, and they have the same point of view that uh, it's just not done. One does not do that. So they withhold uh, pleasure from themselves and then they get to a point where they're so needy, they end up having sex with somebody. And then, you know, the the harps come out and the violins, and it's all about how we're a couple now. And quite often one of them ends up not feeling it and somebody gets hurt. So it sounds like we're agreeing that friends with benefits can be a good thing. Well, I think what it is is, honestly, truth can be a good thing. Okay. So truth... And knowing what's up is important, and that's kind of the problem because we, you have your truth in your head uh, about how you feel about sex and relationships, and I have my truth. And if we get together and have sex with no exchange of our personal views, then I don't know any more as a result of swapping body fluids with you. I, I still don't know any more than I did before, right? So are you saying I have to be honest with this person (laughs) I'm sleeping with? Well, I mean, this would be a good way to ruin casual sex, right? (laughs) That we should talk (laughs) maybe. But I do think, I mean, honestly, the idea, I I, I think the old days, maybe back in the days of Mad Men in the 60s, the old days where you could have casual sex with someone and then pat, pat them on the bottom as they go out the door and say, well, it's been great. See you around. Um, without any serious repercussions, those days I think are, 
if not gone, at least they're very uncertain because too often there are consequences that come from getting naked with strangers and sleeping together. You know, and it could be anything from some horror film kind of outcome to um, just something that's really embarrassing or, or having a stalker or just getting involved when you really just wanted to have sex. So if you have, because I, I don't know if it's obvious here, but I'm a fan. I'm a fan of the idea of um, having having um, committed, not committed, consens- consensual sex with someone who you like, you know. <laughs> as opposed to being married. <laughs> <laughs> um, as opposed to the old days when maybe one would, you know, meet somebody in a bar and, and decide that that was going to be fun, but... Um, when it is somebody who you already like as a person who, for whatever reason, it's not going to go any further than that, um, and there's a comfort there. Well, you know, everybody's got their own beliefs about what's right and wrong, but for me, the big concern is, are you living your life the way you want to be living your life? And what I like about what you're saying is it's mindful, it's intentional, and it's it's really something that you've thought about and you're comfortable with. So, like, What's to complain about, right? So I guess the complaint would be involved um, if you're not honest about what your intentions are. Do you really have any optimism about men being honest? I do. I, I, you know, I'm a big fan of men, and <laughs> and I have to think that all of the men who I you're I'm, an outlier. That's what you are. <laughs> you're an outlier. Um, I think that that people are inherently honest, though. I think that many people have a hard time with conflict of any kind. And so rather than having a conversation, they'll just kind of not have a conversation, which obviously creates conflict. Well, right. And, you know, if if but if one person is being honest and the other person is not, um, then we've got a real problem. Right. So what if you're the very honest woman who really wants to have a straightforward, uh, no games sort of sexual encounter with uh, a continuing friendship following. And he's saying, yeah, me too. I'm totally on that page. I'm not, I'm not really ready for a relationship right now. But inside, this needy, <laughs> horribly hurting person is hoping against hope that you will change your mind once you've had the amazing experience of getting naked and having sex with them, that you'll want to be in a relationship. And sometimes we kid ourselves. And I, and I have to say, I know it's, it's hard to imagine a woman being so, uh, so like a man in this way, but I've encountered women who are the same way. There's every, everybody who hooks up, it seems like. I mean, I mean everybody, not you, because you always tell the truth. <laughs> but everybody else who hooks up, they all say, yeah, I'm not really looking for a relationship right now. Yeah, me neither. But inside... People in this country are lonely and needy and looking, even if they don't know it. Well, and one of the other challenges, and I don't know if this is biological, um, but with my women friends is we have every intention of just having a casual relationship with somebody. And we know on paper this is not a good person for us, you know, that, that he's, he's hot and whatever. Um, but once you start having sex and the oxytocin starts and the pheromones start, and then you might fancy yourself in love with him. 
Well, you know, the, the great thing about sex, I think, besides its innate pleasures and and all of that, is that it so closely mimics what we're all starved for. We all want love. Now, I don't think I myself am starved for love right now. I have a lot of friends. I have family, and I have, you know, my wife and two wonderful dogs. But in general, the people who come into my office are typically typically hurting in this area. And they may not even be aware of it. They may have learned to repress those feelings quite well with the help of uh, certain substances, whether they're powders or liquids. Sometimes they <clears throat> date or run into women and they get in these conversations and then uh, they're saying all the right things because everybody wants, to, everybody, they're like, we are like moths to the flame. And if we're not if we're not going to actually get love, to get this the next closest thing, which is sex, uh, not attending a Baptist church service, but sex, then we are probably going to go for that eventually. A lot of people will say no to sex here, there, and there, but sooner or later we all end up saying yes. And and I get it. I to me that makes sense. I've done the same thing myself, and I would never condemn anybody. For doing that, it's just, it's so much harder to be honest than to say to someone on a, in a situation like that, now I just want you to be honest with me because I'm going to be honest. So you be honest too. But if this person doesn't have that insight and self-awareness to actually be honest, all the admonitions to be honest go right out the door. So you're completely destroying my theory. <laughs> well... It's not a problem because you fall in love with him anyway because of your your, not your me. feminine anatomy. Not me. And <laughs> I'm I. Oh, You're I more even, like a dude in this way. You. I don't even want to say this. Because you can hit it and quit it. I'm going to jinx away. myself. No, I'm not like a dude in this way. As I've gotten older, as I've gotten more mature, I feel like I have a handle on this better. But I know there have been times in my early twenties when I would have a casual sexual relationship with a man who I was completely unsuited, we were completely unsuited for one another, who I would then develop feelings for. Um, yeah, but we're, let's not a, talk about Brad Pitt anymore. I, <laughs> I really feel like we should probably get back up into where you are now. So where you are now is you're free to date and you're free to choose to have sex or not have sex. But my question is, so when then would you know you're in a relationship. And that's the question, right? Is how would you know if you're in a relationship? Yeah. Yeah. Because I, there are people out there who don't know they're in a relationship, even if they're stumbling over one in it, the dark. Is this the part where we have to use our words? <laughs> <laughs> that's my line. Yes, I think we're, we do have to use our words. But before we can even use the words, I think having a conversation or eavesdropping on a conversation like this is important because people... In my experience here in America, we don't really talk enough about family and relationship in order to know what we're talking about. Everybody assumes that they know what they're talking about. So when we talk about relationship, um, I have people regularly, again, in my office who say, yeah, I don't have any relationships right now, or I'm not in a relationship right now. And what is that thing you call between you and your brother? Is that a relationship or not? Well, uh, yeah. Well, what about the one you've had with me for the last six months as your therapist? Are we in a relationship? Because I think we are. I tell people we are. And 
he, he and he'll he'll get confused and no, I mean the sexual relationship. You mean where you just have sex with somebody? Well, yeah. And of course, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a romantic relationship. Yeah, where there's an emotional connection, and right. there may or may not be sex, but it's it's certainly sexually uh, oriented in that it's if not sex now, eventually we'll be having sex. And I think my experience is people don't know how to have that conversation in general. And until we learn how to have that conversation, and it's not just an intellectual thing, it's also an emotional thing, because intellectually, two guys who are heterosexual could be talking to each other about a relationship or about a third person and a relationship with that third person, but they're not usually too concerned about hurting each other's feelings. But when a man is talking to a woman, one of the sexist things we do in our society typically is a lot of men still have this idea that they're the knight in shining armor and they have to get a read on her and figure out what it is she's looking for. Because if she wants a relationship, then I should really probably dangle that in front of her. And if she definitely doesn't want a relationship, then I should probably nod my head and acquiesce to that. So in many ways, at least from my male point of view, it seems to me and to a lot of my clients that women seem to have the option here. It seems to be their card to play. But and that's only in terms of language. That's not in terms of the reality. Right. Of that's the problem is, is you say, you know, I hear all the time men say women what can you do with them? You just can't understand them. They, you know, they're too hard to understand and things like yeah, this. And yeah. so what I'm suggesting here is that we all have open and honest conversations about what our desires are, what our goals are. But what you're saying is... Not possible. Not possible, that they're just going to agree with whatever I say. Well, I'm, I'm going to say that, but I, I think specifically <clears throat> to the men listening out here and to the women who like men, I would say that it's really important to find a guy who's willing to say things that are uncomfortable, who's willing to step outside of the script that is part of a like an adolescent high school play uh, where she bats her eyes and says, I just don't want to get hurt. And he says, oh, baby, I would never hurt you. And we're off to the races with trite, hackneyed expressions of romantic love that have we've been hearing for the last 60, 70, 80, or 50, or 1,000 years. I don't know how long, but we've been hearing it forever. And instead, to be authentic. And, you know, that's the thing is, can can I can I have an authentic conversation? Forget about communication and honesty for a minute. Does this sound, does this pass the sniff test? Because if he's giving you the okie dokie treatment on everything you're saying, you're really not getting his authentic thoughts and feelings on this. So to be, you know, I think for a lot, I don't want to make it sound like I encourage game playing, but I think we should be going into these kinds of conversations with a bit of a jaundice eye, maybe a little bit of skepticism, and looking at the other person perhaps a bit the way the robin looks at the worm, <laughs> just out of the side of our eyes, and, and asking some harder questions like, so, what are you looking for? So where it's open, and they can say what it is they're looking for, and you can say something, if it's true, like, yeah, boy, I'm, I'm not on that page at all. And it's like, you can just hear the phonograph needle go <clears throat> scraping across the record. So you're not making it about me. I'm not making it about me. Um, do you want to be in a relationship with me? What I'm saying instead is what are you looking for in life In life right now? Yeah. And then, then, then man is free to talk about what he's looking for in life. 
and it's not personal. So he's not trying to protect my feelings. Right. So again, we, we want to ask those questions where the person isn't going to be unduly influenced by what we've said just moments before. And to do the, ask and to be able to do that takes a little bit of savoir-faire, a little bit of skill and practice, but it's something within reach of everybody who's listening to this. We can certainly learn to ask those kinds of questions. And what's interesting about it is it actually betrays an interest in the other person as if they too were a human being. <laughs> what an interesting idea. And so, and what's, what's frustrating about this is, um, you know, I've been a woman my whole life and always, you know, trained in the art of not saying what you mean. Yeah. You know, and, and yeah. kind of hinting, and if you really loved me, and, and to my first husband, I'm really sorry about this. Oh, yeah. Um, but I've learned. I've learned how to be direct. I've learned how to, to talk, I guess, like a man, for lack of a better phrase. Yeah, don't say that. <laughs> uh, I've, I've learned how to be more direct and say what I, say what I actually mean. And now you're telling me I can't do that. Well, no, I, I think you still get to, but if you really can respect the emotions of this unknown person who's sitting next to you at a bar or walking alongside you at your next meetup, uh, to be able to say, so what are you looking for? With a real open-ended, I'm interested, I want to hear what you're looking for in your life. And then you get to weigh in with saying, me too, or wow, that's really on a different page than where I am right now. And most people who are interested in getting to know you are going to want to know about those intriguing differences. You know, what makes you you? What do you mean you're not looking for a relationship? What do you mean you are looking for a relationship? You know, it's, I, th I think you get to be honest and direct, but to make room in a conversation, to really listen to each other, to allow the other person that safe space where they can express who they are is what I'm trying to say. So one of the pieces of advice I was given um, a while back is listen to what a man tells you and believe what he says. So if he says to you, I am not looking for a relationship, um, I'm completely comfortable being alone, that you should believe him. And whoever said that to you, you need to go get your money back because that isn't true. That is simply, that that is you know, you're a woman and you hang out with women and you've, you've thought as a woman your whole life and exchanged information with other women. And men essentially are an outgroup. They're different. They think differently. They have a different culture. And we men feel the same way about you women. And we make these incredible generalizations, just like in our society today, where Muslims uh, commit something like 12% of terrorist acts in the United States but they get five times as much coverage as, say, a white terrorist. Well, that's because of that whole outgroup thing and, and the being different. And with men, there's no way you can make a generalization about an entire class of something like, what would it be, 180 million men, where they're all going to be the same. They all speak with you know a straight tongue, no forked tongues allowed, hmm. and they all tell the truth, and they're all authentically connected to who they really are. And they're all capable of disclosing that because all of them are apparently amazingly emotionally mature. In fact, they never need to go to counselors because they don't really have relationship problems. The only problem they have is, are women. But that's not true. Men have just as many hangups and just as much potential for getting hurt in a relationship as any women, as any woman. And men tend to have the same exact coping skills that women have. So we need to wrap up. And once again, I'm going to ask you the question that you, I always ask you. Um, so what's the answer then? 
<laughs> What's the question? Because I know, <laughs> I know that sex is not the answer. Sex the is ans- the answer. Sex is the question. The answer is, is yes. Sex is the reward. <laughs> um, the question is how. I guess, you know, we're being open and honest with one another. We're having grown-up conversations with one another. There's no guarantee that we're all telling the truth. Um, You've given the advice that not to make it personal so that you have an out to be honest. I guess we just it's just experience to know whether or not... Well, you know, most of us listening to this right now I've had enough life experience to know that people aren't always what they say they are. And just to remember that that's true even when I'm needy emotionally and when I'm needy sexually, it's still true. You know, people aren't always what they say they are. And so finding the skill, and I think it is a profound and wonderful intimacy skill for someone to share who they really are with us, even when dang it, it was not what I was looking for. You know, for somebody to really be open with us about what they're looking for, for example, and that could include anything from, I really would like to be in a monogamous relationship to, I hope I'm never in a monogamous relationship. But to just celebrate the joy of getting to know another human being as opposed to looking at human beings as commodities that fill my niche, my need, what I'm looking for, to really learn each other instead of consuming each other. Wow, that was profound. You should write a book. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Jackie. This was great. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Asking for a Friend with therapist Stephen Ng. If you have questions for Stephen, please tweet us at Stephen Ng MFT.